Welcome. You have found the Find the Gem podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Watson, and I'll be your host as we embark on a journey to discover the genuine enlightened moments that spark meaning, joy, and energy into the lives of young people. The pod delivers helpful resources, tools, and tips through stimulating conversations with the leading experts in the field of youth development, youth service leaders who are the victors in their work with young people, and young people who will share, teach, and inspire all other generations with their passion and wisdom. Hello everyone, this is Dr. Jennifer Watson with Find the Gem Coaching, and today we are going to talk about all things teens. And we have a special guest with us, Cindy Etler. She's a board-certified life coach for teens. Her practice is the Teen Life Coach, helping kids find their happy, which I absolutely love that. Um, she offers life coaching services to both teens and grown-ups. She's an author of two award-winning memoirs, The Dead Inside and We Can't Be Friends. Also with us to join in a conversation with Cindy today, we have Jenna Dick, a teenager who helps other teenagers struggling with mental health. So welcome to you both. Glad to have you a part of the conversation. Welcome, Cindy. Hi, so glad to be here. Yes, we're so excited. We've been trying to get this together for a while now, so it's finally great to have this conversation. Um, So what you're doing is fabulous and fascinating, and I have to start this interview by asking you how you got started in this work. What was your journey to becoming a teen life coach? Okay, it it started decades ago. Basically, you know, I had a rough childhood, so I was homeless when I was 13. I was basically alone in, I was alone in a, in a homeless shelter for kids. And the staff there, they gave me what I absolutely needed and had never received, and that was respect mm-hmm. and options. So instead of do this or you'll be punished, it was, okay, here's the chore chart. Here's what you need to do. If you don't do it, you're going to have to sit upstairs by yourself. And if you do do it, you're going to get to watch TV with the other kids. And then they were like, all right, you know, do what you want. And and they kind of turned away and left it up to me. So there was no, um, there was no punishment. There was no like swinging anvil hanging over my head. It was like, it's up to you. And you, you know, you decide. And basically I, I learned at that time, I just had this epiphany at the age of 13, like, oh, this is my mission in life, is to be one of these adults who, who respects bad kids, who gets it and, and gives kids what they, what they so, need. So it's interesting. So that those adults at that time in your life really showed you what, how you needed to, what you needed to exemplify in your own life. Yep. I knew. I knew then. I knew at age 13. And then it took a while to go to college. I became a teacher for 17 years. I taught in, in lots of different schools. Um, but eventually I reached a point where I, I kind of realized pretty quickly with schools, like I became a teacher because I wanted to work with kids and I wanted to support kids. And the only way I could think of to do it was to be in the classroom. But eventually the like sort of the punitive nature of, of teaching was I couldn't do it anymore I was like well 
my kids, I'm always, I'm always the one that kids come to and ask for help and support. And they come to my room during lunch and da, da, da. I was like, maybe I can be a teen life coach. So yeah. first I hung out a shingle and I was a teen life coach. Then I realized I need, I need to, if, if parents are going to pay me money, I need to know what I'm doing. I not, need to not just be a good listener. I need to be able to know how to help kids create change. So I found Youth Coaching Institute and I trained and it's phenomenal. And now here I am many years wow. later. So, so how many teens do you think you have coached? Kind of an estimate of how many you've helped. I mean, if we are going to include the work that I did with students that was not academic, that was like just helping them with stuff, thousands, thousands. Wow. Um, but yeah, but if we're talking about since my, since I put up a shingle and called myself a teen life coach in 2012, got hundreds, I mean, hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. Were you seeing that there was a particular issue that brought them to you or mm. did you, certain, you know, concerns that parents may have had for their teens or certain needs the teens may have had? Yeah, it's very interesting. And, and Jenna, you'll probably know exactly what I'm talking about. It seems like parents reach out with one set of concerns and that's usually motivation and school and, you know, confidence. And then when the parents go away and the kids and I start talking, it's, it's, you know, sometimes kids care about my grades and I'm not that motivated with school. But once we really start peeling the layers of the onion back, a lot of times, the majority of the time, it has to do with friends mm. and feeling, um, feeling like people don't like me. I'm not in the group um, that, you know, rejection stuff and, and the confidence and Lately, I've got so many kids who are basically saying this. In elementary school, I really liked who I was. Then middle school happened. Mm. And they can cite exact moments. They can cite the things somebody said to them in middle school. And they kind of force themselves into a little cube. And they've been this cube with legs all through high school of, I'm just going to try to do what people think I should do. And then they reach a point where they're like, but... I don't feel like anybody likes me and I don't feel like I'm myself. So what am I supposed to do now? So then they feel stuck and their parents are stuck because they don't know what to do about that Exactly. or even how to see it. And I know as a parent myself who I have a daughter who is about to enter middle school oh. and beginning to see, you know, feeling that loss of a connection right now, but not so much wanting all the, you know, the mommy time as she once did and thinking, what do I do with that? You know, how do I help her, you know, uh, find herself and explore this time in her life? And I know Jenna's talked about that quite a bit too, um, you know, being a teen and some of the struggles teens are facing. Um, Jenna, do you want to share kind of with Cindy and me some of, some of your thoughts on teens and what they're experiencing that we parents may not know or understand? I I would say the biggest thing being a teen right now for me, growing up through high school, over time, especially in society, it's been made, it's almost been made that mental health is a trend rather than it would be just an actual problem each and every one of us fully understand. And so that has almost made it as if teens who maybe didn't have as much problems or already felt like they were belonging, then started to create issues because they felt like they had to, or they labeled things that mm -hmm. weren't too much, weren't too much as 
a bigger extreme. And so like, that's been something I've seen, sorry, that's been something I've seen quite a bit with some of my friends or some of my peers. Like they'll say they have a certain disorder and they haven't been diagnosed or they haven't, haven't actually had the extremes that a lot of those actual illnesses would have. But now, now it's almost like, it's almost like a way to relate to everyone or it's a way to humorize it. That's a big thing with my generation too, is a lot of adults don't understand our sense of humor. And it's because our sense of humor, a lot of people would see it as insensitive and that's because it is. And I feel like maybe that's because we've grown up in a in a generation that's constantly desensitized to a lot of extreme topics like, well, mental health, but also watching television that has, uh, you know, and drugs and alcohol were desensitized to that. And so that makes, that makes it whereas us teens or a lot of my peers make jokes about things that probably would not be seen as funny to like our grandparents and millennials and just older generations in general like jokes about jokes about mental health or jokes about societal issues and such like that so that's been a big thing I've seen especially with a lot of my a lot of my peers but then I do have peers of course who in a way it's like they see these problems that are going on and they want to take that and be able to improve upon it and make it so we're not desensitized to it anymore and we're more shocked by what's going on and we want to move through it, you know? Yeah. Wow, that's that's a very powerful perspective. And, and I think you're right, one in which older generations don't often see it like that. You know, some of the things that we may hear teens say, you know, may worry us like, oh, why are, you know, why are they thinking that? Why are they saying things that seem so, you know, maybe crude or violent or whatever? Um, So that perspective is important. Cindy, do you, I mean, is this something that you see as well in, 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 in coaching this generation of teens? And if so, what do you offer in terms of coaching them through some of these things? Because there's obviously this generation gap we're experiencing, maybe more yeah. than ever. Maybe it's wider yeah. than more than ever. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, a couple of things. One, I love what you said, Jenna, that mental health is seen as a trend. That's so, that's so, that's one of those things that I was saying earlier, Jennifer, about kids say these things. And I'm like, that's just brilliant. That needs to be in print. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And, and. It does, I, I read actually, Jenna, one time an article that was basically arguing exactly what you're saying. This, this, this doctor was saying, you know, there's, there's trends in kids' mental health. And so a generation or so ago, it was a lot of anorexia and, now, and then it was depression and now it's anxiety. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know if it's safe to kind of label it that way. Kids are experiencing what they're experiencing. So it often seems that... I, this is just my my kind of two cents. A lot of times it seems like adults go through stuff when they're young, presumably, and then they kind of 
either mature out of it or they push it down with alcohol or they kind of just move on and develop new coping skills, but they forget what it was like when they were in the midst of that. And so then they look at teens and they kind of poo-poo what they're experiencing. We'll just buck up or just just mm-hmm. do the work or just da-da-da. Um, and it's and kids are, I think, like, okay, boomer, you know, and, and they kind of go to their friends to talk about it instead because the adults seem to have a perspective of, we'll just do it, just do it. And I, I think I haven't been like diagnosed as, as arrested development, but I really think that there's a part of my brain that is stuck at that age of 13, that pivotal moment of my life where I was kind of just out on my own. So somehow magically I'm still I still experience the reality that teens experience so in my work with kids I don't take it seriously I experience it when they talk about the feeling in the lunchroom I get it like in my heart in my gut and so we start from there so I think in in my work with kids it's it's not so much where I think sometimes in a therapeutic setting, it can be sort of like, tell me more about that. Explain that to me. I'm like, oh, they, you know, kids can say a sentence and I'm like, I get it. So tell me what happens next. What's another thing that could happen? There's, there's no, for, for me with teens, there's like, there's very little distance yes. in what they're experiencing. And, and, and do you say that that is really something that, you know, we need to kind of think about as parents or people that are working with youth. You said, I like that you said bringing in that distance. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that there's this big disconnect. So adults kind of either avoid it or they don't see the, the seriousness in it or they don't see the value in what's being said and they just kind of, you know, widen this gap. Um, and you kind of work with them to bring in this distance. And maybe for those who don't know what coaching is or life coaching, could you explain a little bit what a life coach is and maybe how that's, like you alluded to a little bit, how that's different from therapy for teens. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw the ball first if I can to Jenna. I don't, sure. Jenna, I think you're interested in the stuff. Do you already know what coaching is or should I, or should I take the ball and run with it? I know to an extent of what my aunt has talked to me about with it, but you could explain, you could explain more with it just so I know your actual perspective. being. Cool. Cool. Okay. So the central tenet of coaching if if a person is international coach federation certified right which is kind of the it's i don't know they call themselves the gold standard of coaching and that's sort of an a known certifying body okay so we'll start with that really the central tenet of coaching according to icf and you know sort of the way i'm trained is that it is the work is not in any way driven by the coach. The work is 100% driven by the client. Mm-hmm. So in my case, I'm just going to use kid, the kid because that's mainly who I work with. So where um, parents can reach out to me with their concerns about school or motivation or you know whatever it is that the parent thinks is the problem. And I say to the parents, great, I want to hear this. But then once if I start working with your kid, that's going to get thrown out the window. What what we're going to work on is what the kid sees as vital for them. So sometimes parents want to give me sort of their checklist of what they would like me to 
mm-hmm. teach their kid that, that they feel like, well, the kid won't listen to me, but they'll probably listen to you. I, and unfortunately, it, not really, unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. And mm-hmm. the kid, maybe like a very small child is willing to take direction and mold themselves to it. But once a kid hits adolescence, their job is to peel away from their parents and, and kind of evaluate everything they've been taught and decide which pieces are for them. So what the adolescent is doing is figuring out who am I as a distinct in- entity separate from my parents. So they're, so they're challenging everything their parents say. They're, they're, they're challenging, not every time, but as a general rule in this culture, they're, they're not interested in, in taking directions from their parents. What they are interested in is figuring out what do I care about? What do I think? What do I want to achieve? What do I want to change? So coaching is this, is this kind of magical island separate from family, separate from school, separate from Snapchat, where the focus is 100% on the kid, what they are uncomfortable with in their life, what they would like to be different in their life, what they really value, who they really are. So, so coaching in a nutshell is about figuring out what a kid wants, what they're interested and willing to do to achieve that, and then mapping out really a little, a breadcrumb trail or a roadmap where the kid, I'm just asking questions. All I'm doing is asking the questions and the kid is answering and I'm holding up a mirror and saying, okay, you said this, is there meaning there? Or, oh, you said this was important. Well, let's explore that. So through all that, the kid pulls out, oh, I want to be here and this is who I am so I can take this little step this week and this little step next week and build on it to take this little step next week to get to here. Mm-hmm. But it's 100%, 100% what the kid wants. Yeah, yeah. And, and what outcomes do you see in the teens you work with guiding them through this process? It, it's so different depending on who the kid is and what goals they come with. Um, there's a kid that comes to mind immediately who this is a kid who's just a sweetheart, very, very sensitive and was badly bullied by kids. Just the kids were kind of pushing this kid around and being manipulative and, and it hurt. And every, every teenager, when, they, when kids are peeling away from their parents to figure out who they are, mm-hmm. They're clinging to their peers. This is why parents can be like, oh, their friend's opinion matters so much more than mine. Well, that's developmentally, that's, that's where they're yeah, at. That's, yeah, yeah. Right? And we're a social species. We need like cavemen. We need connection. need, <laughs> we need connections, like for survival. So when a kid doesn't feel connection with peers, which is what a lot of kids mm. come with, right? If they don't feel that connection, it, they're like floating on, on a crazy stormy ocean alone with nothing to hold on to. Okay, so... Mm. This, this kid, sweetheart, very sensitive, the, the friends that this kid did have were kind of manipulative and pushy, and that didn't feel right. You know, the kid had to, like, leave school because of being bullied so badly. So in our work, we explored, okay, what exactly is the dynamic in these friendships? So we looked at exactly what phrases were being used mm-hmm. and how those phrases were affecting this kid, how this kid reacted to them, right? Mm-hmm. So there was, it, was like, it was like in biology class where you're dissecting the frog. It suddenly makes sense. Oh, that's what's happening. So then we observed, I hope I'm not getting too deep and dorky about no, this. No, I get no, really no, no, okay. no, this is okay. great. So then there was the other friend who 
there was there was the mean friend and the sweet kid, right? And then my thumbs is is the third friend and the circle. The third friend would stand up to the mean friend. The third friend would defend themselves, right? Yeah. So then we examined what what are the phrases? How does how does the the friend with boundaries? How does that friend do it? So what what are the phrases that kid uses? What are the what is the body language? And so my kid started trying out some of those phrases that worked for the kid with boundaries uh-huh. and suddenly the whole dynamic changed wow. with the meek. I know it gives me goosebumps. The yeah. whole dynamic changed. This it shows like, the power of our words and how we say things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So so my kid was just kind of going with her sweet, flexible, okay, you know, like yeah. putting putting themselves in second place. That was a default behavior, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But by, by observing, okay, I don't want to be treated this way. I don't know how else to be. Oh, here's a model of how else I can be. What little bits of that are comfortable for me? What little bits of that do I want to try? So a little bit of trying it a little bit at a time built confidence. The next attempt was a bigger deal. The next was a bigger deal. Yeah. And so, and then there were suddenly new friends on the scene that were more of a fit. So, I mean, it's different for every kid, you know, it's, it so depends on what it seems regardless i mean this kind of helps them they learn quite a bit of how they can deal in relationships and communicate with one another and uh, and when i talk about these gym moments about some of these moments are aha moments of discovery like oh oh my goodness you know i didn't realize that triggered my you know, actions or my behaviors or the way that I approached a situation. And, yeah. and I need to learn from that and, and move forward. Some of the teens that you've um, coached over the years, have you followed them later? Have you, have you had any connection with them uh, as they've kind of moved into adulthood? And, and what have you seen? Is there any like proud moments <laughs> you've yeah. seen from that? Yeah, so many. I mean, when we go back to, um, a couple of decades ago. So this is when I was a classroom teacher, but really, I don't know how good of a job I did of teaching, but as far as like, coach. <laughs> I was a great coach. So, um, so I've got kids who ended up becoming, what is this? I've got one kid who, who cites me as, as the reason that he was able to become, I don't know the military ranking, but he's like way up there in the military now. He said when, oh, I, wow. when I, he said when he started with me, he just thought he was nothing and incapable of nothing. Yeah. And then he, he ended up, you know, moving up. So like kids that, I, kids that I worked with years ago, just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And they still reach out to me for support. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I handle this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, other kids more recently, like, there's a kid who the parents were concerned with academics. And when I started speaking with, you know, it was like, um, he, he used to be a good student and now all he wants to do is sit in the basement playing video games. Right. So, so that goes out the window and I start working with the kid. What would you like to work on? Well, I'd like to improve my relationship with my parents. And he, he, his, his big picture goal was he wanted to be a video game designer. That was what he Okay, great. You want that. What would it take? Well, there's this college that has this program. Fantastic. What would that take? Well, that would take, you know, a 4.0 and this kind of SAT score. Okay, fantastic. So we're starting with the the ideal future, what the kid wants, right? The parents didn't 
necessarily want this kid to become a video game designer. The kid probably never would have said it. Yeah, that's what he wants, right? He probably never would have said that to the parents because he's bad for being in the basement playing video games. But that's that's what excites him. So backing out of that, this college, what would it take? This GPA and SAT. Okay. Are you there? Oh, no, my grades are bad. So now we're at what the parents reached out around. But in exploring that, okay, your grades are your grades are what they are right now. Why is that? The, the stuff that ends up coming out in coaching was like, they moved from the country to the to the wealthy suburbs. He didn't feel like he fit in. He didn't like the attitude of the kids, this country boy. He felt like they were disrespectful to the teachers. So he was shutting down. He was going to school, but sitting there with his head down, trying to block out the reality of his experience because it so graded on him. I mean, yeah. it makes perfect sense. So this is the stuff where parents can kind of just do the work. You have to just do better. But when when a kid encounters somebody who can ask the right questions and listen to their answers without any judgment, there's reasons, whatever the kid is doing, there's reasons for it. There's a reason behind it. Yeah. So when we, when he came to understand what I want is this career, it would take this college, I need these grades, and this is why my grades are not so bad, not so good right now. It's because I don't like how my peers are treating my teachers. We developed a strategy for how to, for how to deal with that. It, oh, wow. So, so your question was, am I still in touch? Now that kid is at that college studying oh. to be communicated. So it's, and really the, the secret sauce is that the kid encountered someone who respected what he really wanted and asked him the right questions and listened to his answers. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I, I kind of had a little bit of aha as you were explaining this mm. too about, you know, you were so influenced as a 13 year old about learning about respect and what that can do. And, you know, I see that as a part of your strategy in coaching is respecting yeah. those kids, showing them respect so that they can find, you know, these things within themselves and, and they trust this relationship with you to be able to get there. And yeah. I just found that, I just find that the connection is fascinating, you know? Yeah, and that's what, you know, I think about too, is why the, it's so important to have that reflection, you know, as adults and, and realizing things about ourselves that, you know, oftentimes we project certain feelings or, certain concerns that we have in our own lives onto others yeah. and it's important for us to kind of step back you know kind of put on the coach hat a little bit and you know self-reflect like you know this is this is why I as a parent am feeling this way this is why this is important to me you know academics is my focus maybe but missing all the other important elements of that relationship too um, so I, I think too that I wanted to ask you with that, um, you know, going back to your motto, uh, helping kids find they're happy. Kid, can you talk about that? And you've kind of talked about that in your approach. Can you talk about that a little bit and, 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 and what you mean by that and how you are helping them find that happy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think Jenna, it... jump into this too if you want. Yeah, I was going to say that, that you keyed it on the respect piece. And I feel like what Jenna said about her generation's 
kind of understanding. I don't want to say interpretation. I want to say understanding of the way yeah. adults look at your perspective. It seems like if I'm if I'm summarizing what you said correctly, Jenna, my interpretation is that it feels like there's a lack of respect. You guys say I'm experiencing this with my mental health and adults kind of no, no, that's just that's just a trend or you're just you just need to da, da, da. and you just don't know. <laughs> you haven't experienced life yet. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, which is a lack of respect. So so helping kids find their happy, I think embedded in that are some of the key elements. I'm helping kids. I'm not helping parents get the kid they want. I'm helping kids find their happy, theirs. So the, to, to me, the penultimate is what the kid wants. Like that's what matters. That's what matters to me. And I, I don't work with, I don't work with kids. I don't even talk to a kid until the parent understands Really, this is about figuring out what your kid wants and what's going to make them where they're not happy or where they're not comfortable and what their idea of happiness would be. Mm. So, um, so, you know, there's a lot of um, this generation. It's like every parent that reaches out to me, their kid is gorgeous and on multiple like pro athlete you know, it, it involved in like all this athletics that's like varsity, multiple varsity sports, and they could be in the Olympics. And it's, it seems like um, in my generation, the emphasis was on appearance and money and thinness. And this generation, it's the emphasis where you're supposed to channel your energy is into achievement, all AP classes and all like high zoot sports. And a lot of times, by the time kids are hitting high school, sophomore, junior year, they're like, I don't know if I want to yeah. spending all my time on these sports. So where the parents might want the kids to, you know, do better in school or sports or whatever, the kid might be like, I, I would rather spend my time on something other than all of these athletic practices. I would rather be exploring A, B, and C. Um, so so it's the respect and the trust and the coaching relationship to figure out what do you want? If we block out all the other influences, block out all the other voices, what do you want? And then we figure out how to, how to get them there. And in, in, in part of your practice, you said you, you coach parents too as well. Is that part of that is, is getting them the, the teen and the parent kind of on the same page of what the teen wants and what the parent can do to help them do that after they've, you know, the, after they've come to have some insight on what they need to do? You know, I have never had a kid want to do a session with their parents. Kids are not. I was going to say, just, maybe not. <laughs> Sometimes kids are, are willing to let me communicate something to parents. Sometimes it seems like the older the kid, the more, believe it or not, younger kids are like, no, I don't want my mom don't, knowing anything. Sometimes older kids might be like, yeah, you can tell them that, you know, if, if it seems relevant, I'll ask the kids, do you want me to communicate this? Um, but with parents and really 95% of my work is with the teenagers. Um, but when I work with adults, it's really the same philosophy. My goal in reverse is not let me, you know, pull out this thumb drive of what your team wants and plug it into your head. No, it's, it's the same approach. Okay. You parent, what do you want your relationship to look like with your kid? Mm. And 
where is it where is it not going so well right now and people people know if yeah. if a parent comes to coaching and they're like you know my kid won't talk to me and they won't do their chores right mm. when i start asking questions that deep listening where where someone knows there's no judgment here and yeah. i don't have to filter my thoughts they they're like mm, well and they know what they they know what in their dynamic what it is that's yeah that's messing up the communication it it just takes someone respectfully listening and asking the right questions to help them figure it out and when they have that gem moment like oh this is what yeah and, and it questions. seems so simple too you know just it listen. does yes just listen without judgment that's it yeah and i have this might be a question for both of you cindy and jenna you know in this in these really strange times we're in right now and you know teens are are, are feeling some disconnection socially and they're looking to maybe they're looking to social media or they're looking to other ways to connect what are what are you seeing happening in that is, is that changing the nature in which teens socialize how is that impacting their mental health or how is that impacting um their relationships i mean cindy from the perspective of coaching teens and jenna from the perspective of being a teen right now because this is a you know this is a, a time like no other you know mm -hmm. with all that's going on with you know the racial injustice and the the covid and all of these things feel really heavy right now for all of us so what would you say to that what what do we need to know about what teens are experiencing jenna or how are they finding connection how are they not finding connection you ask about their connection well there are some especially there are some relationships for me maybe they weren't as close of a relationship i had that have been more distance lost a connection mm -hmm. don't communicate with them as much but then there are my like core friends where it's like we seek out each other to talk we facetime every day um we try our best to, at this point we try to see if we can have like a distance hangout or something to that extent i've also have i have friends whose mental health has gone in the opposite direction i know one of my friends who has um obsessive compulsive disorder uh disassociative disorder adhd um has uh suffered through covid because it's made it's made her anxieties um, more heightened it's also made it as especially since this is such an odd time having a disassociative disorder has made her more um struggle more to accept this as reality so she's really she's really struggling through that um but then i've also had friends who have benefited from this i know i personally benefited through this it gave me a t gave me time to stop focusing on stop focusing on school and start focusing on my, mm. my mental health because for a while especially especially being a junior having that being like the hardest year i guess out of high school academically 
for me being able to take t take time and get through the issues I was having instead of just delaying them until after school really helped me to um, just feel better. And so I know as far as the social media aspect too, I feel like in a way it it also could go both ways. I feel like at first everyone went to social media at first and they were constantly on it constantly po posting but now I feel like it's almost like people are a little bit tired of social media they're tired of hearing about the toxic things they're tired of about hearing about COVID mm. um so I feel like in a way that has made people go farther from farther from social media I know there was this huge trend on TikTok where people were like this summer we're going to get flip phones and and we're going to text and take pictures <laughs> of Polaroids. And like hundreds and hundreds of teens are doing that. And it's because we're just so tired of being on our phones. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, a lot of older generations would maybe think that, that we would maybe enjoy this time to just really look on, <laughs> look on our phones and look on social medias. But Really, it's become the opposite. It's almost like everyone's just bored. They're just so tired of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that brings up so many thoughts that I have about this. Exactly, I've learned from teenagers to put my phone down. Like as a young adult author, I've, I'm in touch with a lot of kids who read my books, and they reach out to me on Instagram, and you know, so I'm kind of loosely coaching kids. In, via DMs and Instagram, like not hardcore stuff, but but kind of distant, asking a few questions to help them reframe maybe options or that kind of thing. And sometimes I would like DM a kid and they're just gone. And then the kid will reach out to me three months later from a new account, you know, and it's like, wait, what? And they were like, yeah, I had to take a social media break. And I'm like, you can do that? And, you know, and it's, again, going back to what Jenna said at the beginning, where adults kind of I keep using my words, not yours, Jenna. My words are like poo poo or belittle. And that's, I don't even know if that's exactly what you said. But that my interpretation of what you said is sort of adults assuming they know what's going on with teenagers and poo pooing what teenagers are actually doing without knowing it. Um, I think there's a lot of almost hysterical fear amongst adults about teens and technology yes. addiction. And it's, it, my experience with teens is like, no, they, they're less obsessed with their phones than, than I am. And then other adults are, they take these like healthy breaks. They change their account. They don't care if they lose all their followers or whatever. Um, they seem a lot less obsessed with it than we do. And in COVID times, I've seen uh, kids, like I live in this neighborhood that has this huge green space in the middle and I saw kids just sitting like with ukuleles and a picnic and they were like spaced far apart from each other. I'm like, I don't see any adults doing this, enjoying like sitting around outside playing an instrument. You know, we're, we're Netflix, we're Netflix binging and sitting on our sofa and yeah. I think so, that's, yeah. that's really important to hear. Um, I think it's important for those who are watching this to, to, to see that because I know many adults 
or parents are very concerned about social media, you know, this, the time on social media. And I think it's important to realize too that even the ways in which that, that teens and, and younger kids are using it, they're actually building some really important skills too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're learning to navigate their relationships in a social world, in a digital world which is amazing. They're learning how to use their voice in a way no other generation has had, which I think it makes it their communication and their um, ability to articulate what's going on for them is amazing to me. Um, some of the leadership skills they're gaining, you know, from, you know, their following and so on. So, you know, there is a great deal of negative that we can be concerned about, but really hearing from you, Jenna and and Cindy, about, you know, that teens really can find their own healthy way of using, uh, you know, tools like that, or, you know, of their, you know, social or, you know, forming their social relationships. So I think that's, that's really enlightening. Um, to talk about. But as we're kind of running short on time, I mean, I really could have this conversation with you, Cindy and Jen, all day long. Um, But I think let's end it on what would you, for those watching, and, you know, we have parents watching, youth service leaders, people who, you know, work with youth, teachers, social workers, administrators, just those that really do have a passion for helping young people, what could we leave them with? What takeaway, what understanding, what tips or strategies could we give them in in helping the teens in their life? And you've offered a lot of that already, but any last last things that we could say? Putting you on the spot, one of you. (laughs) Maybe. Jenna? As far as for a question for the most impactful teachers I've had are the ones that don't just help me with school, the ones who go out of their way to to see how my day is going, ask family, ask about sports, ask about my friends, um, or Oh, your mic went a little low, Jenna. Sorry. Okay. But the teachers that in, influence me to um, not, like, I, I think you're on mute. Can you hear me? Yeah, now, now I can. Yeah, that's good. I don't know what it is. But I feel like a lot of the good teachers that I've had this year are the ones that have gone out of their way to ask about the the bigger things besides just how my how my homework went or if I understood this math formula. And the teachers who influence influence me to understand that not only the not only the grade I get in their class matters. In chemistry, there's one teacher I had, and I I was taking a lot of hard classes at the same time, so it was difficult for me to manage that. And I I would come in upset if I did bad on a quiz. Sometimes I was like, how can I improve this? And basically, some of the times she told me, she's like, he's like, just because you get in a bad, a bad grade in my class doesn't mean that you're not a, ba- that you're a bad person or that you are a stupid person. 
And so the teachers that influenced that, as well as I feel like a lot of teens need to understand the that the ones who do have mental health issues, like some of my friends or just are a bit confused in what's going on right now or their life and why their relationships work out this way. Mm. They need to understand that that's, that's a normal thing or that there's a reason behind what, mm. why they're feeling that way and that there are other people that also feel that way that they can connect with. Very good. Very good. That's huge. Jenna, thank you for what you just said, because sometimes in my coaching sessions, I'll say to kids, like, do you want a psychology moment? Like if they're talking about whatever, if they're talking about having thoughts that they can't escape, right? Like having anxiety and having anxious thoughts and the thoughts keep going and going. And I'll say, do you, do you want a little psychology about this? Or should we keep talking about X, right? So I always give them the option. And and they always say, I would like the psychology, I would like to understand the psychology behind it. But I'm always like, really? Or do you just feel like you have to do what the adult offers, right? And I, and I say to them, like, you, this is to, either option's fine. You don't have, just because I'm the adult, you know, I make sure that's really clear. But when they take the psychology option, I'm doing exactly what you said. I'm, I'm telling them, this is what the brain is doing. This is why, you know, this is why this happens. A lot of adolescents experience this because of this. And, and what you just said implies to me that I guess if kids say they want that, they really, really do because it's beneficial. Um, but anyway, back to your question, Jennifer, the one big, the one big thing that I'm always ironically like shouting about is if we just listen if we just listen and it, and it, it's listening in a certain way, the biggest, my gem moment when I was in coach training was when I understood, Oh, I'm a good listener just by nature. But when I was a teacher, I was listening and really deeply listening to understand what the kid was saying to offer the best advice I could. Yeah, yeah. Coming from my coming from my filter, coming from my experience, mm -hmm. coming from my caring for the kid, but it was coming from me. So the big big switch in my coach training was changing a channel, like the old school TV where click, there's a hard yeah. click where instead of listening and channel Cindy, where I'm listening through my own filters for what I think is best and what my experience has taught me, click away from that channel to channel kid so so any thoughts of my own are blank they're they're gone they're in some back part of my brain and i'm listening in this way that i am a hundred percent focused on what the kid is saying there's no me in it my own experience my own thoughts are completely irrelevant because you're, you're kind of stepping away from yourself in a sense to be able to be open to what they're telling you I think that's a very important um, tip for all of us to think about stepping yeah. outside of your own framework in which you view youth. Yeah. Because we, yeah. even, we oftentimes, whatever our role is with youth, we enter it with whatever goals or um, things that we hope will happen without yeah. taking much thought to what it is that that young person really needs from us. So I love that. And um, 
thank you, Cindy, so much. And Jenna, for, for this conversation, I think it'll help a lot of people. And Cindy, I want to, what I'll, I'm going to provide them with a link to your website and your contact information if anyone wants to get in touch and uh, benefit from Cindy's uh, teen life coaching. Um, and uh, this will be available in the course as well. So this will be a resource for anybody who takes the course. So thank okay. you. Thank you again very much. And we'll be talking again soon, I'm sure, Cindy. And I know we will. Yay. Jenna. <laughs> thank you, thank so you Jenna. Thank you, Jennifer. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please donate to the paypal.me slash find the gym. And be sure to subscribe to the Find the Gym podcast on our website at www.findthehiddengym.com. And also join us on Facebook at The Hidden Gym.